So I am going to be continuing our series on the fruit of the Spirit, and I have just the privilege to speak on the fruit of the Spirit of peace. And my hope for you all is that as we leave today, you'll just be encouraged um, to let the peace of Christ rule in your life. Um, Let the peace of Christ rule in your life, in your weaknesses, and in your strengths of each day. So as is our custom, let's stand for the reading of Scripture. And we, so I'm going to read out of, we're going to do the fruit of the Spirit. Did I have, do I have the fruit of the Spirit one? There we go. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. You may be seated. So, Lord, we thank you for your scripture. And we thank you for your spirit that is here with us. Lord, would you speak to us through your word today? And would your spirit speak to our hearts? Lord, empower me to speak the words that you want uh, everyone to hear. And we trust that you are the one actively working in our community. Amen. Uh, So Doug has been setting off this uh, sermon series with a couple different consistent points that I just want to kind of bring back around. And the first thing that uh, he laid out before us is that um, we are all made in the image of God. Um, No matter who we are, no matter where we grew up, um, no matter what our religion or our walk of life, all of us are made in the image of God. And we all have this divine spark that reflects certain things about God's nature. Um, so the, the goodness that we see in people, the love that we see in people, when people exhibit patience, um, they don't have to be a Christian to do that because they're already a child of God. They're already someone who reflects God's nature in that. Um, and so as we're walking through this sermon series, what we're after is a supernatural kind of um, breathing into life of that spark that's already in each person, that we want to see the flame of God built up in a supernatural way, uh, that we would express um, God's creativity, love, and character even more. And this isn't a checklist, right? Like, this isn't something that we can say, um, I am more loving today. I choose to be more patient today. We can't make ourselves or conjure that up. Um, Those are things that we have to invite God's spirit into, Uh, to supernaturally transform us no matter what situation um, is around us. So with that in mind, let's just talk a little bit about um, the fruit of the spirit of peace. And so while I was praying about preparing this sermon, the verse that I really couldn't get out of my head was actually out of Colossians, um, which is kind of funny because we've been preaching out of Colossians for like the last, I don't know, five or six months. Um, I was actually supposed to close out our sermon series on Colossians, but then I got the flu. And so then we were like, well, let's just go ahead with the fruit of the Spirit. But here I am, back with Colossians. I'm doing both of them at the same time. Um, And I'm going to be preaching uh, out of Colossians 3. So we can go ahead and put that verse on the board. So it says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, 
teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And it's, it was the beginning of this verse that really caught my attention and the thing that I really couldn't get out of my head. And it's that phrase, let the peace of Christ rule. And it seems almost like an oxymoron, like those two things shouldn't go together, especially if we kind of think about um, like maybe like peace and war, war and peace. You think about the 60s in Vietnam and you, know, you have violence and conflict on one side and then you have peace and the peace movement on the other side. Uh, and you think about that movement as being maybe something that was characterized by a lack of rules, like the very uh, implementation of any sort of constraint um, would be incompatible with peace, uh, that to be at peace you need to be free from any rule or any inhibition, free to express whatever you want to do, which is a kind of like a piece of understanding of how our culture sometimes approaches that, that topic of peace. Uh, and even in more modern understanding of peace, maybe pulling in uh, Eastern spirituality, we, we think sometimes of peace as a stripping away, um, a removal of attachment or possession, which leaves us free. Uh, but I think when we, when we look at this verse, we uh, investigate Colossians 3, we see that it says peace comes in Christ, and not just in his presence, but in his rulership. We just sang the song that he would be our prince of peace. Like a prince rules over something. And the thing that he's meant to rule over isn't just his kingdom generally on earth, but ourselves specifically in our hearts. So when we look at that verse out of Colossians 3, and we can pull that up, you can see it says, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Let the word of Christ dwell in you with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And, it, and here, it, I mean, it says it, let in everything it should be done in the name of the Lord Jesus. So we should be doing everything. It's, this isn't a passive presence, but this is something that's, it's active. It's a working spirit of God that's continuing to work in us as we submit our actions to him. So we have a lot of different people come through our community, right? Like a lot of different interns and um, friends and temporary residents. So if you've had someone that was an intern or someone that was uh, like a temporary resident in our neighborhood and housed them in your house um, or within your household, can you just raise your hand? So it's a lot of people, right? And so it's always an interesting experience because that, that person, um, even if they're only there for a short time, they change the dynamic that's going on in your house, right? So like, um, maybe uh, if you had a chat intern uh, with your family, like your kids have someone to talk to, right? Uh, when we had, you know, like when we had Orlando, there was a longer line to the shower, you know? So just those kinds of things. Uh, more takeout in the refrigerator than you usually have, you know? Yeah, everything is a little bit different. And so we just actually had Mary um, living with us for a few uh, months. And one of the things that I noticed about it is that Liz and I's uh, discussions or fights got more whispered, right? So <laughs> they're not all out and loud on the floor. It's like we had one that was like right before she was going to end. And I think we were trying to get out the house. And we could hear her coming up the stairs. But we had some stuff we had to resolve. And so, you know, 
Liz is like, do the dishes. Like, I don't want to do the dishes. I did the dishes last time. You got to do the dishes. We're going to leave. And Mary comes up. We're like, hey, what's up? Liz is like, Rob was just doing the dishes, you know. So, it, 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 you know, it, so you don't, there's like a part of us that doesn't want to share like that whole like messy side of yourself with someone new. And that's, it's understandable and it's, you know, it's appropriate probably. Like they don't need to be exposed to all that. Um, but that's not how we have to operate in God's presence, which is really the good news. Um, and and God, God is not an accountant that's sitting there trying to tally up our rights and wrongs when we think about his presence in our lives. He's also not like just a decision metric that we kind of run through a decision tree and we go, God, if this, if that, if that. Okay, now I'm going to take this job based on like just, you know, this little decision metric that I use God as. He's also not a divine travel agent that's just sitting there to take us out of whatever we're in. Um, he, his, his presence is so much richer than that, and it's so much more complex with that. His word speaks grace to the weak, correction to the proud, guidance for our skills, but really most of all, he makes us more like God. Um, like, have you ever tried to get into an argument in front of Ramesh, our elder? Have you, has anyone tried to get into an argument? Yes. So Lawson raises her hand, right. So it's actually kind of difficult. Like, if you're, if you're at a party and, like, maybe we're really stirred up. So, like, the all-star game is tonight. So maybe you're team LeBron or maybe you're team Giannis. And you're like, oh, LeBron's going to beat him. He has no chance, you know. And you start getting real heated. Maybe fisticuffs are coming. Like, if Ramesh is in the room, at some point, Ramesh is going to start laughing really loud. Then he's going to hug both of you. And it's like you're going to have, uh, you're going to kind of forget what was going on in the first place. Like, that's. That's kind of his presence in the effect that he has on those areas of conflict. Um, and I just kind of want to propose that that's a little bit better of a picture of what it means to have God in our lives, not as an accountant, right? Not as someone that's tallying rights and wrongs, not as a metric, not as a travel agent, but it's someone that changes the nature of what we're doing in that moment, that changes how we see things and that it's, it's not that we're just being made like a better parent or employer or child. We're not just being coached. It's that when the peace of God begins to rule in our hearts, we're, we submit our actions in, to him, and we become more like him. We're being changed to become more like God. So I'm going to focus in on two areas, and this is going to be a, a short sermon. Um, hopefully the kids get to get outside at some point. Um, but what we're going to look at is peace in our strength and peace in our weaknesses. Peace in our strength and peace in our weaknesses. So let's go now to strength. So there's a trap that I fall into pretty often, um, and that's what I'm going to call like the good day trap, the good day trap. Uh, and a good day trap looks like this, like I wake up, uh, maybe I spend some time with God. I make a really good, like, nutritious breakfast for my kids. I make a good lunch for my kids. I get to school, get them to school on time. I get me to school on time. You know, work goes well. Uh, I check my phone, and, like, my fantasy basketball team is killing it. Like, I'm just winning on all levels, right? And when I'm going to bed that night, what I'm not usually doing is thinking about, like, oh, there was, uh, there was a lot of bad things in my life. I'm not, I'm not really necessarily thinking spiritually about my day because, like, I did really good that day in, in, in how I see the world. 
But here's the, the thing. Despite my lack of self-reflection, Jesus is at the center, was still at, needed to be at the center of my life. And there were things that though they passed maybe my rate, they, they passed my standards, they didn't pass his. There were ways that I had opportunity to use my strength that I didn't. And there were things that I did not submit in my day to him because I was meeting all of my own goals for the day, right? And that's because my standards are my own. As, as good as they could be, they still can be warped by my own spiritual, uh, my own sinful perceptions. That what I didn't see in my, like, quote-unquote good day was how I steamrolled, like, a coworker in an important meeting. You know, what, I, what flew under my radar was how I missed an opportunity of mission at the CVS checkout line. You know, what, what, what I didn't see on my good day was the brooding, the angry brooding that I held in my heart thinking about, like, the last argument or something like that I had. Like, because they weren't part of my standard. They were part of God's standard. They weren't part of my standard, though. And, and we can be really tempted to think that if we, if we used our strength, if we used our energy, if we used our creativity uh, and to uh, the best of our ability, we were just like, we're good. We didn't need God that day. But there's, it's, it's, it's not always that our, it doesn't always line up that way. What we think was bringing maybe peace and health and joy to the world was only really bringing ourselves that. Uh, so there's a movie quote that I think sums this concept up well that our idea of a peaceful day is not always the same. This is from Star Wars, you guys. This is an unfriendly character, and he says, once more, the Sith will rule the galaxy, and there will be peace. That's right. Thank you, Jeff. Does this look like a peaceful fellow? Does that look like someone that's going to bring out, like, the mercy and justice of the kingdom of God and share generously with all involved? No. It looks horrifying. In fact, change the screen because I don't want to preach with that, like, those eyeballs, right? Staring. Thank you. <laughs> and, and this is comical, but the scriptures do have something to say about this. This dynamic of how we use power and how we perceive ourselves in the use of power and what it means to the peace, not just of ourselves, but the people around us. So let's turn to Jeremiah. It says, for the least to the greatest of them, everyone is greedy for unjust gain. And from prophet to priest, everyone deals falsely. They have healed the wound of my people lightly, lightly, saying peace, peace, when there is no peace. And so this verse specifically mentions people in authority. It specifically mentions priests and prophets who, instead of being fair, were using their influences or using their influence appropriately. They were oppressing each other and furthering injustice. They claimed to bring peace in those actions, but according to scripture, that's not what was happening. And that's because true peace, like the peace of God, the fruit of the spirit, is not something that can be coerced or forced upon you or forced upon someone else. It comes when we are submitted as individuals 
to God's rule in our lives, not when other people are submitted to us. And that's a, I'm going to repeat that again. It comes when we are submitted to Christ's rule in our lives, not when other people are submitted to us. And that's honestly something, it's something that I struggle with daily as a parent, right? Because for me, if my kids are listening to me and I have some like space to be by myself, I can think that's a place of peace for the whole household (laughs) because it's doing good for me. But in reality, it's just that my preferences for my household are being met in that moment. So in terms of the fruit of the spirit, it's not that there's supernatural peace of God ruling and reigning in my household. It's just that, like, Boomba's on the TV and I get to watch YouTube on my phone. Like, that's not spiritual fruit of peace. So let's, let's just return to the scripture uh, from Colossians. Because this is also just a really important dynamic. Notice, notice our, our response in this verse. It says, we have to let the peace of God rule in our hearts. We let the peace of God rule in our hearts. We have to let the word of God dwell in us ritually. Peace can't be forced. It can't be forced upon each other can't be forced upon our families or our our co-workers, but it also can't be forced upon us. Like the spirit of God does not force us to change. We have to open ourselves up to it. So cultivating this fruit of the spirit, cultivating peace in our lives comes from laying down our plans and our preferences and submitting them to God under our own choice. And, and here's the really, really beautiful part as we wrap up this point, is that God has given you those strengths to begin with. So we're not saying those things are bad. We're not saying that the, the gifts and the creativity or the positions of power and authority that he's placed you in as teachers or leaders um, has, has, is bad. Those things are beautiful and given to you by God, but they are tools to be used in his service. There's something to be celebrated and then offered back to him. And that's what it looks like to allow God's peace to rule in our strength in a way that that peace isn't just for ourselves, but for the people that are around us. So let's talk about peace and weakness. Peace in the difficult trials of life that seem like they're just being pressed down on us and that they're just far outside of our control. It can be really challenging to talk about our weaknesses and to expose our vulnerabilities. Um, It's especially difficult if our identities hang or how we see ourselves, you know, hangs on our performance or our ability to do a good job or or the fact that we don't make mistakes or that we achieve things. So if, if we're in that space, it can be so hard just to even acknowledge that we do have weaknesses, that we do have things um, that aren't going well or that we need God's help in. And the second, though, the second thing that can be um, just as challenging is finding um, something or someone to share those weaknesses with. Um, because we, in order to feel safe, this person has to be um, someone that we would share our weaknesses with. That, that person has to be this rare combination of, of strong and gentle. 
Um, someone that's, that's strong enough to, to kind of bear the weight and the heaviness of the things that we feel, but also gentle enough not to crush us in that process. Um, and that's just something that's so rare. It's, it's rare in people. It's rare, it's rare in nature. Um, it's, a, it's a challenge across all types of things. Um, in fact, like, there's actually an uh, uh, engineering challenge at the science museum for, uh, I think it's for middle schoolers, and they have to create a package that they can drop an egg in two stories and have the egg survive. Um, so they put an egg in the package, they drop it two stories, and the egg is supposed to come out unbroken, something that's this really fragile thing, and go through this super traumatic event. And that's hard, because if the box is too brittle, it's going to break the thing inside of it. So it, we, they needed something that would be both strong to, to, to last and hold for the fall, but soft enough to cradle that egg. Um, it's a challenge, and not too many pa people pass it. Uh, in nature, we see this. There's um, crocodile mothers. You know, this, this massive animal with these massive jaws um, that can bring down like a 600-pound wildebeest or whatever, you know, just drag it down to the bottom of the river. Like those same jaws, they keep, as, as soon as their infants are born, they put their infants in their mouths and take them to the river. It's that combination of strength and power, but then also gentleness and mercy. We need people to be strong enough to handle the messy weight of what's going on in our lives and not freak out, yet have the mercy to console us. And when we find someone like this, it's a gift of God to us. It's a gift of God to us because it actually reflects God's nature. So let's turn to Isaiah 40. It says, Behold, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. So here in Scripture, we see that. We see God's rule, his dominion, and his might. But alongside that, like literally alongside it, one scripture on his rule and might, next scripture, he's a shepherd. He's both of those things to us. He's both strong and gentle, able to hold the things that are difficult, but able to hold us as well. He's a, the book of Matthew, we actually have a story that, I think really, really sums this up in a powerful way. So you have Jesus walking through a town. Jesus is a person of power and of strength. You know, people are crowding around. They want that. They want that influence. They want to they benefit from what's going on with him. And he's walking through the town. And there's a woman that sees him. A woman who approaches him who has been deemed in the Jewish law to be unclean. She suffered her entire adult life, not just from the pain of her disease, but also the prison of isolation that she's in, that she's been in for a very, very long time. People are not even allowed to touch her. So in coming near, as she approaches Jesus... Even what she's doing is breaking taboo, and she's risking in, uh, retaliation. 
In touching Jesus, she's doing something even worse. But in that moment, in that moment that she touches Jesus, a miracle happens. And that miracle is that Jesus' power transcended her ungodliness. He was not corrupted. She was healed. He was not corrupted. She was healed. He turns and finds her. He validates her action. And in that moment, she found two things. She found healing and humanity. Both of those things she found. This is what we find from Jesus. In our places of weakness, in the places that we need peace, this is what we find, our healing and our humanity, both in Jesus. This isn't stripping away of desire. This isn't finding peace and emptiness, detaching ourselves from our trials or surrendering to cynicism. It's none of those things. We hold on to God's strength and goodness, both. So I'm going to start to close up now, and the band can come up. The scripture from Colossians speaks to this wholeness, and it's part of what drew me to this verse. It speaks to health, to peace, to thankfulness, dwelling, like these rich languages, the rich presence of God in our lives. And what I just want to leave us with as we start to close is the encouragement that God has already ordained those places of richness and health in your life for you. There's a verse out of Jeremiah that says, Thus says the Lord, Stand by the roads and look. Ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. It's my belief today that God has appointed those places of rest for each one of us in our lives. Before we even walked to the earth, God already laid out those paths, those places that we would find him in. It's our privilege to seek those things out. As I said before, the the peace of God isn't something that's forced upon us. It's something that we have to open ourselves up to, submit to, and seek out for ourselves. But the thing is, is that God has already gone ahead of you. That's just, it's, it's the miracle. It's like by the time we take a step, the path is there. We may not have seen the path when we took that step, but it was already ordained. It was already laid out for you. And that place of rest for you, is, is, it's made for you as an individual. It's made for all of the strengths that you hold. And it's made for all of the weaknesses that you hold. Both of those things belong to God. And we can search for those things. Like We can search for that place like silver. We can search for it like hidden treasure. And here's the, the, the promise out of Scripture. In another verse in Jeremiah, he says, You will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. So please just be encouraged this week. As you carry out your spiritual practices, whatever that looks like for you, whether that's reading, whether that's worship, whether that's prayer, whether that's practices of contemplation or silence, being in your house church or in community, 
whatever those practices are, have faith. And we were just we were we were praying before the service that that there would be an expectation, there would be a faith for God to meet us in those places that He set out for you, those places of peace. Throughout this series, we've been hearing that the fruit of the Spirit, it's not something that we can do on our own. We need God and his supernatural power to rule in our hearts. We need his rule in our gifts and our strengths that we would bring peace to those people that are around us. And we need his his rule in our weakness and trial that his strong and compassionate peace would carry us through. So as we close, please just take this opportunity pray with God. We'll have, uh, the altar is always open. We'll have our elders um, on the walls to pray with you. But let's pray together as we head into worship. Lord, we trust that you've laid out a place for us. both in heaven and on the earth. Lord, the fruit of the Spirit is seeing the promise of the kingdom of God more fully here on earth. That that small spark would be fanned into supernatural flame in our lives. And so, Lord, as we close, we just declare our faith that you have both ordained places of peace in our life, that you are ready to rule in our strengths and our weaknesses. And Lord, may we be able to submit both of those things to you. Thank you that you want to be found. Thank you that you want to reveal yourselves to us, that you are waiting to do that. Holy Spirit, would you do your work now? Amen. two ways that we're going to respond today to the word that Rob has preached. The first Rob mentioned, which is there's always uh, space to be prayed for. So just a few moments, we're going to have our elders and prayer team. They're going to be at the walls and there's obviously right up here uh, if you want to come and kneel. Uh, The other way is through, we're going to be taking communion together. So I want to invite our communion servers if they could come up. Uh, There should be four of you coming up. I see three moving and a fourth I'm sure will be coming. Um, the question, I think, for us to answer today in thinking through communion is what does peace uh, have to do with the cross? Um, because we're thinking about together, uh, when we come to the communion table, we're thinking, um, what, is this, what is it that Jesus' death and resurrection accomplished for us? Uh, and so this is going back to Colossians, uh, which is a book we seem to be going a lot to today. Uh, This is what it says from Colossians 1. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Um, And so this is is what this is getting at. Um, Peace is not the absence of something, but the presence of something. So peace is not the absence of conflict. It's the presence of wholeness. And so what, what Jesus is doing on the cross 
is he's taking all of the brokenness into himself, all of everyone's sin and all of creation's sin into himself, all of violence, past, present, future, into himself, everything that isn't as it should be into himself, and he is reconciling it, and the thing that he absorbs into himself, the only thing that he gives back is peace. So it should, like, up until Jesus, any time someone was hit, the thing that they responded with was not peace. Now, that doesn't mean they hit that person necessarily back, but they did not give back a peaceful response. Anytime someone inflicted sin on someone else, the thing that came back was not holiness. The thing that came back was not the presence of God. So God absorbs everything in the cross into himself, and the thing that comes out of it is the opportunity to finally be reconciled to God. That is the presence of peace. And so today, when we, when we think about this, this meal that we're given, where we're regularly asked to consider what happened on that night. Like what happened when Jesus was put to death? What happened when he raised from the dead? And what does that have to do with peace? For us tonight, it's that when, when you were found in Christ, you were reconciled to him and you were given peace in return. Like there is a life that awaits you where everything will be as it should be. It will not simply be the absence of conflict. It will be the presence of like a life exactly as it should be. You get flashes and glimmers and tastes now. There's a future that awaits you that through the death and the resurrection of Jesus, you will experience that and it will never, ever end. That's what the cross has to do with peace. So on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. says, when you come together and you take these things, do this to remember me. And the, the thing that that does is it doesn't just help us remember who he is and what he's done. It now helps you remember who you are because you are now found in him. So in the name of Jesus, we set aside this time, we consecrate it, and we say that what the scriptures say is true, that when we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. And so as we come to this table today, Lord Jesus, would you draw near to us? The table is open. When you're ready, I want to invite you to come up.
Lord is good. And so we want to go out singing this last song, singing about who God is. Clap your hands, then go ahead and clap your hands. Great day. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Yeah, keep that groove going. Keep that groove. Would you clap your hands for these young people? Aren't they precious? Come on. Y'all did a great job. Great job. Great job. Great job. All right. Um, 
I, I just need y'all to focus for a second, please. Just for a second. And I'm speaking directly to the family. Let me tell you something. We have an amazing God who's absolutely brilliant, who, who, who really is the Alpha and Omega. He sees, he sees stuff way ahead of us. Would you clap your hands for Pastor Rob Dennis? Come on here, buddy. And would you clap your hands for his wife, Liz? And Liz know what I'm talking about. Now, just about every time I close out a service, just about every time, what do I say? Say it again. No, that's good. That's the last thing I say. That's good. That's good. That's just, that is usually the last thing I say. But what do I usually say about the message? What do I usually say? People need to do. Say it again. Say it again. What do people need to do? Go do the message. But what else do I say? I usually say, go look at it. I can't say that today. It wasn't video recorded. Was it was it recorded? Thank you. So it will be up. You need to go back and listen to this message. Now, I told you, Pastor Don, you say that every time. I want to tell you this this time. This time, please, I'm begging you, go back and listen to that message. Listen to that message, and then... I guarantee you, you will thank me that you listened to that message. Because that's how smart God is. He's way smarter than us. And so, y'all know I like to sing. So we're just going to make up a song right now. We're just going to say, I am peace, 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 I am he is peace. 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 Hold that. Hold that. Hold that. Now turn to the person side and say, You better remember that. You better remember that. He is your peace. Your peace is in Jesus. Hey, if you haven't gone to get your baby, go get your baby, please. We love y'all. Fold the chairs up. Good. Thank you for coming. God bless you. He is your peace. Don't forget that, please.